You're listening to the Emmanuel Christian Center podcast. Join us as we jump into our series, Reclaim Your Future. Our past, our pains, and the scripts we've adopted can make us feel like we've missed our chance. But God is a God of opportunity. Where we may feel something is lost, God sees value. He restores that value and reclaims it, giving us new hope and purpose. So get ready. God is on the move. Good morning, Emmanuel. How many love Jesus today? You love him? Uh, my name is Nate, and uh, I haven't been here for a little bit, but it's so great to be back in the speaking spot here at Emmanuel. Our location pastors did such a great job in July, didn't they? Everybody from Lakeville and Maple Grove and Elk River and Spring Lake Park, our pastoral staff is so top-notch and so grateful for each and every one of them. And now we are stepping into a brand new series called Reclaim Your Future. Turn to the person next to you and say, Reclaim Your Future. Well, what are we going to be talking about here over the next couple of weeks? Well, let me just get you started. You think about the end of one thing and the beginning of another. We've already kind of begun to turn a corner into the fall season. I know we're like, no, we still got time left in summer. But the reality is the days are getting a little shorter. The state fair is only a couple weeks away. The Vikings are going to start, and we have a lot of hope, uh, you know, at the beginning of that brand new year. Kids are going back to school. Parents are celebrating that somewhat. And... We have so many new seasons of things that are coming ahead. And I just want you to consider that as we move ahead, don't let things hit you by accident. Don't let this be, well, whatever happens, happens. Even though it's like, we've been here before. Even though we've been through an August and we've been through September's before. Well, let's not repeat whatever we did before. Let's reclaim a new future. Something powerful can happen in everyone's story. My hope is, is that we're able to intentionally step into the future, not by accident, but by choosing to lean into what is possible. Not paying the price for just our past or, or reliving history or letting other voices control the narrative for our story. During this series, we want you to hope again, to believe for the new, to discover that God is with you, and when he's with you, anything is possible. Anything is possible when you connect your life and your family to the creator. So let's get started. You might have noticed that on the platform behind me, there's a beautiful car. I was gonna say a beautiful new car, but it's not exactly a new car, is it? And there's a story behind that. I'd like to ask Lynn Fenning to come. Lynn is the owner of this car, and he's been a part of the renovation story. Would you give it up for Lynn as he comes up here? I want to ask him a few questions. And uh, super excited about this car, but there's a story behind it. Where's it where, where did you get it? Well, first of all, thanks again for uh, inviting me and in to share my story. Um, and I love talking about my car next to my kids and my grandkids it's my car, not necessarily that order, but um, <laughs> this car was purchased brand new by my father in 1967, and I was five, public school, I could figure that out, um, but uh, he sold it in 1975 to a farmer in northwestern North Dakota, and uh, basically that's where it went, went off to the farm, and uh, one of my high school classmates drove to high school regularly, so I saw it regularly being abused uh, as a high school kid would do to their parents' car. And uh, 
over the years, I, I kept track of it. I knew basically where it was. I didn't know how it was being used, but I knew it was in a farm in North Dakota. And over the years, I'd check up, hey, would your dad sell me that car? Not really knowing if he would or not. No, it's not for sale. It's not for sale. And uh, finally, in 2013, yeah, he'll sell it to you, but you got to do the American Pickers thing and got a wheel and deal. Long story short, wheeled and deal, got the car in 2013, and it looked pretty good. I'd been sitting in a barn for over 10 years, hadn't ran, so it was covered with dirt and everything. Brought it home, uh, washed it, yeah, it looked pretty good. I thought I got a pretty good steal on it. We brought it to Minnesota, and uh, my dad and I, we got the car running and uh, took it to a, a fellow to get an estimate on what it's gonna cost to do the restoration. And I wanted to be a part of it, so I wanted to do the dirty work, <clears throat> and uh, well, I didn't want to, that's what I ended up doing and all the mold and mildew and the rust and everything to cut all that out. Once we got it running, it started running really rough and uh, turned out there was a rat's nest inside the engine area and the motor burnt up. So what thought I was gonna have a nice daily driver uh, peeling the onion, as I would say, found out the motor was bad. Well, as we got into it further and further, found out that all the panels on both sides of the car, the front of the car, were all pushed in, smashed in, um, and filled with Bondo. There was areas where the Bondo was two inches thick. Bondo's a modeling clay, kind of. And uh, didn't really know what it was, but what I thought was gonna be a nice little daily driver project turned out into a project that lasted five years. And peeling the layers of the onion away, um, all the body panels were repaired. It's all original, but we had to repair it. And uh, when the car was all done in 2018, it took five years, uh, brought it back to North Dakota to run in the North, uh, North Dakota parade with my dad and the, the previous owner, who at that time was 93. And uh, he passed away two year, or two weeks before the car, the uh, parade. And so it was just my dad and I, and we invited the widow over to see the car, and they didn't recognize it at all. They said, that's not our car. My mom didn't like it. That's not what our car looked like. And, uh, and I said, well, it's not your car. It's mine now. But... Um, <laughs> I asked him, I said, the whole sides of the car, everything was all pushed in and smashed, and you know, it looked really good, but it was all paint. The surface looked good, but underneath it, it was just rotten, and uh, nothing was really salvageable. It had all replaced, refurbished. And uh, the son told me, well, we used that car as an ATV back in the 70s. We didn't have the fancy four-wheelers we have now. So they used it to herd the cattle, to push it into the corrals and the barns. That's why everything was all pushed in. And the bottom of the car had tears, uh, rips, just like it took a can opener. And that was from going over rocks in the fields. And it just went over the top and just ripped holes in the, in the pan. And, uh, but over a five-year process, um, and some of the pictures, uh, it's all been restored. And uh, it's next to my grandkids. It's my pride. And, it's winning uh, awards. It, uh, you did keep a sticker, a couple stickers on here. What is... The sticker right there is probably one of the only original things, but um, it's just a little reminder to me of my dad, and that was his employee sticker uh, from his workplace back in the 60s and 70s, and I said I want to keep that as a reminder of my dad, and my dad passed away in uh, May of 2021 from COVID, and, but he was able to see the car and be with it, and uh, so when it went from being the family vehicle to go to church every day that I had to wash on Saturday nights, to uh, being a utility vehicle on a farm, being abused and tore up, pushing cows into the barn, um, to being fully restored and made actually better than new. Um, it's just something that uh, 
I cherish, uh, but it's just a thing. But what it's been able to do is opportunities like this, yeah. opportunities at car shows. Um, yeah. I've had it in North Dakota and Wisconsin and around, and uh, yeah. I drive it. Yeah. yeah, but it, it, it opens doors. Uh, it's a car. It's a it's a shiny thing that I like, but it gives me a chance to share my story and share the story of restoration yes. uh, with this car. Yes. And uh, just because it was abused many years ago, um, there was hope for it. It's not what it, I thought it was going to be. And I got so far into it that my dad said, you're crazy. I didn't pay that much for it in the first place. <laughs> but... Um, he would be really proud of this right now. I talked to my aunt over the weekend yes. saying, no, this is, the, this is what's happening. So your, your awesome. dad would be so proud of it. And uh, That's awesome. Uh, would you give it up for Lynn? Thank you so much for sharing the story and the car. Uh, there's so much wrapped up, of course, in this. A 1967 car. Now, you could say, on the count of three, uh, shout out the year that you were born. One, two, three. So we all have our different start dates, but we're going to go on journeys. And we have different purposes at different seasons and stages of our life. But the beautiful thing is if the car, even if it's damaged and neglected, if it gets in the right hands, something special can still happen in the future. And that's exactly what we believe as a church, that if we get in the hands of God, no matter what our histories are, there is a future. Can I get any amen to that? So the challenge is that we all face, how are we going to move into this next stage of our lives, our, our future? Will our wins in the past stop us from hungering for the future? Will we get fat on successes? Or has the wear and tear of the journey shut us down, reduced our faith or our motivation? Has the journey hurt the love in your marriage? Have you experienced a reduced level of focus to your spiritual life? Or how about how you're raising your kids and your dreams for the next generation? Some people have quit trying because they didn't have anybody believe in them. And I want you to know you came to the right place when you came to church today. Because even if you didn't have anybody believing in you in your past, by coming to faith in Jesus, or at least coming around those people of faith who believe in a creator, man, something powerful can happen in your story. And listen, the presence of problems doesn't mean that all hope is lost. Our obstacles and burdens can be the birthplace for new vision. New vision. I believe that there can be a brand new story in everyone because God is not just the creator. He's the recreator. He has a capacity to build something new. Today, we're going to look at a guy named Zerubbabel. Everybody says Zerubbabel. <laughs> He's an Old Testament guy in the Bible that maybe you haven't heard of. He was the governor of Jerusalem at a time in Israel's history where they were going through a rebuilding process. And as they looked at rebuilding it, they had a history. And if you look at the Bible, you'll see the history of Israel and Jerusalem and King David and King Solomon. But there was a point in time at which Israel no longer followed God's ways and they fell under judgment. And because of that judgment, they were sent into a foreign land. They were living in Babylon. And while they were in Babylon, all of Israel and Jerusalem was tore up. It was ransacked. It was ruined. The city was a, a, a ruinous heap, a pile of rubble, if you will. 
And as, as the stories would come back to the people who are now living in exile, living in Babylon, they were bothered by that. They were in deep despair and loss. In fact, in Psalm 137, it says, they said, beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. Some versions say, or Zion, the city, the hill of God. And there was this strong sense that for them, that somehow there was a loss. It wasn't what it once was. And then there was these people sent back to rebuild the city. You perhaps have heard of Nehemiah. I've done a series on Nehemiah in the past, or Ezra, the prophet. They would talk about the rebuilding of the entire city. But then there's this guy that was basically a government official, a construction superintendent, contractor, if you will, that was in charge of one specific part of the project, and that was the rebuilding of the temple. The temple was really important to the people of Israel because that was the place they would meet with God. You know, it's really important for us to learn to meet with God and to put past, push past all distractions like cell phones and other things like that and learn to really just meet with God. And it's just a, you know, it's a really important thing to do. The people in Spring Lake Park are laughing because there's one that just went off and just happens in church. That's the way it is. And Zerubbabel is given the task of doing it. And here's the problem. There was a delay. Anybody know anything about delays of the last two years? Construction projects, supply chain issues, off the coast of California somewhere in bins, I can't get it here. His delay was 15 years. And in that 15-year process, he's got an expectation to rebuild something, but he's got labor shortages, financial shortages. He's got people mocking him like it's not gonna happen. And he finds himself in a place of discouragement and he's stuck. And here's the really cool thing you need to see. God notices it when we're in a place of despair. When we're stuck, he notices where we're at. So much so that in Zerubbabel's case, God sends a prophet named Zechariah to speak a word to him. And it says this in Zechariah chapter four, verse six. This is the prophet saying, speaking. He said, so he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he, he's talking about Zerubbabel, will bring out the capstone, the shouts of God bless it, God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, the second time it says here, the hands of, the, of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent you. This is a really cool moment because, listen, God says in the middle of that moment for Zerubbabel, listen, you've got mountains and obstacles in, in front of you, but God has a way of bringing the mountains down. Those things that seem big to you. And by the way, when we compare our obstacles, our problems in our life to other people's problems, it's a matter of perspective. To some people, there's not any problem. To other people, little things are really big to them. And so we can't compare our mountain to somebody else's mountain. For Zerubbabel, his mountain was obstacles of getting the job done that he was called to do. And there are things that were in front of him and there are people that were mocking him and he felt overwhelmed by that. And God says, eh, time out. I want you to know in the middle of this, I'm gonna do it. And not only am I gonna 
do it. I'm going to bring it down. Zerubbabel, it's your hands that are going to do it. God says, I'm going to do it through you. I'm not just going to do it for you. I'm going to do it through you. There's something powerful about what God says. You're not over it. The story is not done. God is still going to do something through you. Sometimes we, we think, well, maybe God just needs to use somebody else. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe there needs to be another mentor, another parent, another person that could do this. Maybe I've failed too many times. And I want you to know, God would say to you, listen, even the discouragement of the mountains of your mistakes can come down and God will use your hands to make a difference in the future. Can I get an amen to that? That's the beauty of the Bible. And let me just say this, you know, I just came off of a, 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 a few weeks where I was not speaking on Sunday morning. It didn't mean I wasn't doing anything. I just took a break from speaking, and, and I was observing our church. I got to visit each location. I got to pray a little bit more and pay attention and observe what was going on. And one of the things I also did is I looked at the world around us and, and thought about and prayed about what's happening in the world around us. And there's a whole lot going on, isn't there? I mean, it's just sometimes it can feel overwhelming. And one of the things that I know that is absolutely vital for church, for Christians, for people of any church in any location it's vital that we know the word of God. And I'm not just saying that. It's really a big deal because in this day and age where words and their meanings are changing, in this day and age where digitally things are being wiped out, I'm a, I'm almost, I'm a huge advocate. Keep your paper Bible. Keep your paper Bible because digitally they might change it because it's offensive out there in the digital world. But listen, how many know this word will not change? This word lasts forever. This word is really important. And when we look at the Bible, and by the way, when I preach the word or anybody else does or somebody quotes the word out there and, and you're listening to a podcast or a message from somewhere or I preach it on a Sunday morning, although I hope you trust me, even me, I want you to go back and test it against the word. Because there are so many different opinions about end times, about identity, about sexuality, about a whole bunch of other things out there that people are making up what they want it to be. And we all need to measure it back to the eternal word of God. It has to go back to that. And, and it's not just, this is not like a law book. Like are you going there and it's just do's and don'ts. There are biographies and stories from Genesis to Revelation of individuals. And we have the benefit of looking back over thousands of years and seeing the stories of real life people like Zerubbabel that we can draw hope from for our own stories in 2022. And that's exactly what I want you to catch here, that Zerubbabel has something to teach us. Just as Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, the all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So as you begin to reclaim your future, it's got to be underneath the guidance of the word of God guiding us. Sometimes we drift. We need the word to drift, get us back on track. Turn to the person next to you say, don't drift. <laughs> and you and I have different seasons, and I encourage you 
to tackle it with God's word and his spirit. In Acts 13, there's a great little biographical statement about David when it says, for when David had served God's purposes in his own generation, he fell asleep. In other words, he died. He was buried with his fathers. In other words, each of us have purposes that we're meant to fulfill. When you were born, God was there in your mother's womb before that moment, shaping you and forming you with a purpose. And Psalm says that, that there was actually like a, a calendar written out for you, appointments to accomplish down the road. And I want to encourage you that you and I can learn to discover God's purposes for life, our life. That's why we talk about it in Growth Track all the time, that you are to discover your purpose. What is that purpose? Discover it and then live it out. And when you're done, go be with Jesus. If you're not dead and you're not with Jesus right now, that means you still got purposes to accomplish. It's not over. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's not over, baby. <laughs> so here's what I want you to understand. Zerubbabel, in the case that we, we see here, is worn out. He's trying hard to do his job. He's using his skills. He's going to work. He's doing his best. And it's not working. And sometimes our answer to everything is just to try harder. But then we're just worn out. And God sends this message to him in verse 6 of Zechariah 4. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. I want you to put your name in there. This, and I count it, when I read, get to that spot of Zerubbabel, I want you to say your name out loud. You ready? This is the word of the Lord to? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You are not going to accomplish this by yourself, but by my spirit, God says. That word spirit in the Old Testament is the Greek word panoi, to blow. To blow. It's like the wind in the sail. Wind in the sail. I mean, have you ever seen a boat? It's got the sails up. If it don't have any wind, it ain't going anywhere. So you can have all of the necessary stuff, but unless the wind blows, you aren't going to make it. God's purposes require God's wind. You need the wind in order to go where God is wanting you to go. He does use your hands, your brain, your effort, but you will not be able to finish without his wind. My son Tim is in church with me today, and when Tim was younger, He's our third son. He always wanted to be bigger. He thought he was, you know, he's like three years old and he's diving into my, my uh, dresser trying to get clothes out. And, and he's, he's just, he always wanted to be bigger. He always wanted to do the next thing. He saw his brothers doing stuff. He thought he could do those things. And so he always wanted to mow the lawn when he got into elementary school. That's a great thing for parents. <laughs> when your kids want to mow the lawn. It's like, yes, I've been waiting for that. Well, his older two brothers, they would do it. Mostly Jeff would do it more than David did do it. But Tim, Tim wanted to mow. And he kept asking, can I mow the lawn? Can I mow the lawn? Can I mow it? Can I push the mower? I want to do it. And we're like, no, we're a little bit nervous about it. He's, he's, you know, he's shorter. He's little. We didn't want him to slip and get hurt and all kinds of stuff. 
So I didn't think anything of it. Then one day I'm in my kitchen and Jody had decided to mow the lawn and she was out there mowing. And then I noticed that she wasn't alone. Timmy was mowing with her. He was on the low bar and Jody's arms were around him on the high bar and they were pushing it together. And I couldn't, I could not believe the smile on Tim's face. He had the biggest grin. He still has that grin. And then after they were all done, he comes in the house and he said, dad, dad, guess what? I said, what? He said, I mowed the lawn. Now, how many know he did? And how many know he had some arms around him helping him do it? That's what Panoi, the blowing, the spirit of God is like. It's going about your daily work. It's parenting. It's loving. It's going to work. It's doing the hard things. It's doing the things that you're designed to do. And it's allowing God's spirit to be the one that helps you finish the work. The spirit. Jesus reflects on this when a guy named Nicodemus comes to talk to him in John chapter 3. And it says, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the spirit. Now, of course, Jesus is speaking here in multiple things. First of all, if you're wanting to have the life that is promised in the Bible, the regeneration, the forgiveness of sin, sins, the new beginning, it starts with, with a miracle from God. It's a gift from God. It doesn't come from you. It starts with God. If you love Jesus, it's because God's already working on you. There's something happening. And the, this guy, Nicodemus, is saying to him, what do I got to do? What's the checklist of items I got to follow in order to get all of that stuff? And Jesus says, stop the bus, baby. First of all, you need to understand it's not you. You have to be born again. You need a work of God in your life. You need transformation. Nicodemus knew the, the Old Testament. He knew the word. He knew the law. He knew the rights and the wrongs. But something was missing. What was missing was the supernatural. And if he didn't have that, he was out of luck. And so Jesus was saying, hey, listen, you got to let go and allow the spirit to make you new. And when you're made new, then you can go do the things that the wind is blowing you to do. He's still the old car, but if he's going to be renovated, he's going to need something supernatural to come and work on him. If you're going to be made new, it's not going to be by your sheer effort to say no to sin. It's not going to be by your willpower to say no to things that you know you shouldn't be doing. You aren't going to begin to love your spouse so much better just because you tried harder, although you better. Come on, somebody. There's some elbows in here. 
No, it starts with being able to say, I need the Spirit of God. So let me give you how to begin reclaiming your future. We're just getting started in this series, and I'm going to just give you four things today. How to begin reclaiming your future. The first thing is this. Stop trying to make everything happen yourself. Stop trying to make everything happen yourself. Jesus said, you've got to be born again. You have to stop and realize in this moment, I need to surrender to God. And I'm not just talking about getting saved, by the way. Let's, let's, let's expand the picture. You've been following Jesus for a long time and you've got responsibilities and you've got a business or you're, you're leading in your career and you've got family members and you've got children and you're raising them. You're trying to do your best. You can't just do more and th think that it's just going to happen. You need to stop. Everybody said stop. You need to stop and recognize I can't do this by myself. Anybody here that has overcome addiction knows this to be true. You need to stop blaming other people. Stop pushing it off to tomorrow. Stop thinking somebody else, when they change, when they forgive me, when they come and ask for forgiveness from me, you got to stop doing that. You need to recognize it's not going to be me. It's got to start with the work of God in my life. Secondly, you want to start this whole process of reclaiming your future? Surrender your plans. Surrender your plans. Submit them to God. What do you think about this, God? See, the blessings of faith are released in surrender. It doesn't happen any other way. Surrender them to God. Think about this right now for all of your plans as you move into the future. What you're going to do with your 401k. What you're going to do with your vacation plans. What you're going to do with purchases that you have or school and where you want to go with your career. Your next decision for buying another business. Got a bunch of people in our, our congregation that are small business owners. They love to create things and they'll buy things and sell things. And all of our plans, really, you have to stop, let the Spirit of God lead you, but then you also need to take the plans you already have and submit them to God. If He's leading and if He's going to recreate and He's going to do new things, then we need to take all this stuff we've been talking about and bring it to God. Otherwise, we're asking God to bless what we planned. We're asking him to rescue us when it doesn't work out. I mean, you know, he'll still rescue us, but there's a lot of pain involved sometimes. We need to submit them to God, to submit them to God. I remember when Jody and I were first married in our first year, uh, we, I had made a decision that we were not going to have kids our first five years. Because I thought that was the right decision. I was responsible. As a man of God, I wanted to get the, the finances together. We need to know each other better for a long time, blah, blah, blah. I had all the rationale. And in our first year, God did a lot of cool things. A month in, I became an assistant youth pastor at Emmanuel. And I was like, I can't believe this. This is fun. We got, God arranged a miracle for us to get our first house in that year. We were like, wow. And we went back to Michigan to visit my parents who were living there at the time and went to my home church, the place where God had met me, went up to the altar after service. And I'm praying. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for every good gift. I've got a wife. I've got a house. I got a job. And I'm thanking him. And thank, you know, I'm like glorifying Jesus. And the Lord like whispers to my soul, have you consulted me on your decision? 
Lord, you know, I'm a, I'm a son of God. I'm trying to do my best. I want to walk in your ways. And your word says I'm responsible for the decisions that I make. And I had all the, and I was like, did you even ask me what I want? And I literally wrestled up at that altar on my knees for a half an hour. The entire church had left. You can ask Jody, it's the truth. I got up and we went back. We drove back to, to Minnesota on the drive, Jody says, so what was God talking to you about up at the altar? And I said, uh, I think we should leave uh, having kids in God's hands, the timing. That was November. The next September, David was born. <laughs> Best decision we ever made, right? Here's my point. So many of our decisions are with our own wisdom. We lean on our own understanding. And we've got to trust in the Lord instead, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and surrender our plans to him. The third thing is this. Fan into flame what God has already put in you, the state of your faith. One of the things I know is I want to consistently be in a place where I believe God and I hear his voice because I can get off track and go back to the old person I used to be. I wanna be who he's designed me to be and stay in step with the spirit. But there are obstacles to that. Sometimes there are voices in my life or things that happen, disappointments, experiences that can shut down the flame of faith in my heart. And this is why Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter one, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and self-discipline. Fan into the flame, Paul says to Timothy, because there's gonna be times when it grows cold. You know how you fan your faith into flame by paying attention to it. You know, every time that you come to church and you get an opportunity to worship with the people of God, you're, here, faith, here we go. Have you ever found yourself in the middle like the second song? Something starts kicking in. At first, it's like, man, it's just too loud. <laughs> I don't know if I like this song. Oh, come on. Did you see that person over there? They just walked in front of a whole bunch of people, had no, no idea. They distracted the whole room. Again, your mind wanders. But while you're beginning to sing the song of the Lord, the presence of God fills the temple. And you begin to lock in that, then faith begins to rise in your soul. And you remember who you are. And you forget about the weak. And you forget about the challenges. And you recognize, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's where faith is fanned into flame. Jesus, or Paul says to Timothy, listen, God has not given you the other stuff, the spirit of fear and timidity. Fear shuts it down. Timidity stops the power. It puts a foot on the hose. It unplugs the plug out of the wall. But faith, you gotta fan that into flame. You gotta read your word daily. You gotta actually pray. Hey, listen to me. This isn't for weak stuff. We're in a weird day and age. Church, don't get caught just only praying at church when you come to service. You gotta cultivate a prayer time, a prayer life with the Lord. 
Shut off the other stuff you've been listening to. Talk shows you can put on mute. Come on, somebody. And why don't you put some worship on? Throw on some Spotify worship instead of the other stuff and find yourself fanning into the flame on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, not just hoping that Pastor Nate preaches a good enough message to help you through the week. So then when you come to church, you come to church already fanning it into flame. And now you walk into church and you're available for the wind of the spirit. And then God begins to speak to you. And instead of you being selfish and and isolated and alone and hoping that the service is short, now you're noticing somebody over here needs healing. And God has given you faith to go lay hands on the sick and see them healed. Now all of a sudden you're in a different state of being because you fanned it into flame. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm starting to get ahead of myself in the future weeks preaching here. The fourth and final thing is this. Trust Jesus with the big picture. Trust Jesus with the big picture. Philippians 1.6, and I am certain that God who began this good work within you will continue his work until it is finally what? Finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Let me go back to chapter four of Zechariah. God said to Zerubbabel, tell the mountain it's coming down. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Would you stand with me today? What's the mountain in your life? Obstacles. Instead of feeling guilty about it, instead of feeling like it's a reason that good things won't happen, what if you took that mountain? It could be a mountain of of disappointment. It could be a mountain of failure. It could be a mountain of I didn't do it. It could be sin. It could be whatever it may be on your own internal world. Instead of it being guilt-driven where you don't go in faith out of the room, What if you acknowledge that mountain here today before God and you heard God say to you, hear the word of the Lord, Zerubbabel. Hear the word of the Lord. It's not by might or power. It's by my spirit I'm going to do it. And I'm going to use you to do it. And Zerubbabel, you can speak to your mountain. Not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord is coming down. Your obstacle might not be internal. It might be external. It might be challenges in your family. Stuff that's really tough. We got a lot of tough stuff going on. You know, as a pastor, we hear everything. There's things going on in the people who attend our church. And I'm thankful. This place is a place for broken people. Come on, somebody. This this ain't for perfect people. But when you bring your brokenness in and the stuff that's gone on around you, the dysfunction of your family history, the difficulty of knowing how to be a dad because you never had a dad, figuring out how to be a mom because your mom was messed up, 
When you take that mountain and you bring it to God, he has a way of helping you overcome the mountain of the past and embrace a new pathway, a new vision for your future. It's not over. Whatever your birth date was and wherever your car has been, it might have been used at different purposes of your story, hauling and moving cattle around. <laughs> it might be stuck and there might be some rats growing in the engine. But when you bring it before the Lord, mountains come down. And he can do a recreation process in your life and in your family. I know that the, the obstacles are so many. Some of it's financial. Some of it's other things that are in your life and your mind and the thinking process and the joy is gone. But I just know this, no matter the mountain, let's let the Lord speak his life over us today. And I'd like to do this. We're going to pray together and then we're going to sing a song and the song is meaningful to me because God is growing faith in me. There's a line in that song that says, if my God is for me, then what have I to fear? And I echo that with Paul's words to Timothy. God's not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and a love. I want the power. I don't want the fear. I want the power. I don't want the fear. I want the faith. I want to step into all he has for me. I want you to do this right now. Go ahead and put your hands out in front of you. Keep your eyes open. I want you to imagine in your hands pictures of the people in your life, family members, your career, perhaps the business that you own or the professional job that you have. It might be your children, grandchildren. It might be the neighborhood that's around you. It might be the mirror, a picture of you looking at yourself and you know it's an obstacle and you need God to speak his word into your story right now. Those are those things in your hand. Those might be mountains, but mountains move when God speaks, friends. And God says to Zerubbabel, with your hands, your hands will complete the work. It's not over because God says it's not over. I want you to now take what's in your hands and lift it up to heaven. Can you do that? Jesus, we come before you and we receive your word today. We embrace the word of God in our story. Lord, we thank you, God, that you're not done. You're not only the creator, you're the recreator. You speak words of life at any stage of our story, and we give you permission to rebuild that which has been broken down. We pray, oh God, that you put families back together, marriages back together. I pray that you would restore the mind and the soul of people. I pray that people that are undergoing addiction right now, Lord, that you begin to break the stranglehold of the addiction and Lord that you Lord help them throw their their lives in your hands and they'll be able to make the next step necessary to surrender to your power Lord we are not powerless in your hands we have hope in your hands and I pray that you would renew our strength restore our joy and give us your hope Lord that we might reclaim our future in Jesus name amen Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into the community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. 
the best is yet to come.